coming up on The Medicine Podcast. Like our body, like I think we understand this about the physical body that it is incredibly resilient, that if something goes wrong, you can heal it. If something breaks, you can fix it. Um, and the same is true of our emotional body and our spirit. It's not as obvious how to do it. Right. It's not as obvious how, how easy it can be. Yeah. Right. And I think that's why people like to get into the deep stuff, thinking that the harder it is, the more effective it is. Mm. Like it's not necessarily. Yeah. Some of this stuff can be light and fun and free. Like I, one of the things that I I pick up on when I'm around a lot of the like more woo circles is how much people like think it has to be dark. You know, it's got to be. I got to go into the darkness. That so, work. How about yeah. not? How about there's also like fun, playful ways to to heal yourself and to open yourself up. Welcome back to The Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi, and I'm sitting next to my favorite human on earth, my partner, my lover, my king. What is going on, everybody? This is Chase. We have the absolute privilege today of having an incredibly wise woman on The Medicine Podcast. So I get to say welcome, Kimberly, to The Medicine Podcast. Hey, guys. So lovely. Mimi, I got to tell you, you have a really good podcast voice. Oh, well, thank you very much. You know, what's funny is I used to, I've, I've said this before on the podcast, but um, I, when I would hear my voice in videos or whatever, when I was younger, I would be like, oh, is that, is that really what I sound like? Cause that's not what I sound like in my own head, you know, yeah. and then <laughs> the, um, the uh, opportunity of kind of working through that was brought to me by podcasting where it's like, I listen to my voice all the time for hours <laughs> in the yeah. editing process. So um, now I'm, I, I like my voice, but thank you. I receive that. Um, you as well. Yeah. You have a nice you. voice. Yeah. Yeah. People tell me that often. And I, my story very similar to yours. It was like, at first when I would hear it, I was uh, very much like, uh, and then, um, you guys have already interviewed Mark England. So I'll skip to the part about, we know where words are spells. Yeah. And my sister, when I was young, used to say that I had a creepy voice. So for the longest time I was like, oh, my voice is creepy. Like I, this, I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh -huh. this, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> and, um, so I, I just, you know, I would hear myself back on video and I was like, that's not what I sound like yeah, and yeah. Yeah. on podcast. I'm like, oh, okay. And when I uh, first released Get In Lifted, which is the show that I host, I had the the overwhelming feedback from people was like, oh my God, your voice is so perfect for podcasting. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. a surprise. Yeah, so I yeah, come to learn to love it. Yep, yep, exactly. It's um, it's kind of just like pushed right into your face, into your ears. Um, it, it, but it is true. Like I've listened to podcasts where I like the content. I, I might even like the the host and what they have to say, but I can't listen to their voice. It's just there's something where it's like it's like grinding gears in me. And so it is a thing. It is a thing to yeah, have totally. a podcast or radio or audiobook. Voice. Yeah. Oh, like, for sure. Oh, yeah. I that tend to sure. just prefer someone with a British accent <laughs> always. And yeah, and the GPS too. Harry Potter <laughs> yeah. uh, audiobooks, and so I'm just like, like I just downloaded a podcast for the guy's British. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. I'm gonna be able to pay attention <laughs> to this one. Totally. Um, <laughs> well, love we can jump in here. the The first question that we ask every guest on the Medicine Podcast is. What do you love in your life? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift it to every human? Oh, my freedom. Mm. Right away. Love it. Yeah. Like, you know, I, um, 
I, I have my freedom. Like, and a lot of that comes through having worked through my stories in my head. This is mental, emotional freedom, right? It's also physical freedom. Um, it's my ability to navigate tense situations, my ability to kind of let things roll off of me, um, to be super present, enjoy what I'm doing and freedom from the shit talking voice in my head. You know, it's really very, um, I've, and that's what we teach within lifted. So I do try to give it to as many people as, as are willing to learn and listen. And I've noticed a lot in myself, the ability to, um, just enjoy myself all over more in every aspect of my life. Once I got the story under control and once I could get my breathing under control, cause that's really how we get the mind to come under control is to slow down that breath. And as I, um, as I apply that in my life, it's just total freedom, freedom and flow almost every single day. And if it's not, I have the tools to get myself back there pretty quick and yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy that a lot. Oh, I love that. I, and, and, and I want to, you know, unpack that even further, maybe briefly, you know, let everybody know what, what you do in the world today. And then, and then how'd you get here? You know, how have you been able to step into this space of, of really holistic freedom? And what were some of those stories that you had to retell or, or pivot, um, to be, you know, productive towards that, that lane of freedom? Yeah, absolutely. So right now what I do professionally is I work with a coaching certification company called Enlifted and Mark England, Adam Chin are the co-founders of that. And I am the third party in the team. And so what my role is within the uh, coaching community that we've crafted together is to... Um, I host our podcast. I do a lot of our marketing and branding and things along the lines of um, bringing more people into the sphere and work alongside Mark, who facilitates all of the trainings. And he's been a dear mentor of mine, friend of mine, and you know somebody that I work with every day. So I, I got here because I started um, originally, I was working in a very, I had a very cookie cutter life, um, up and through college and then going to get a corporate job. I was living and working in New York city and very much, uh, in the rat race, like to the fullest. And I started to realize that my health was suffering from it. My physical body was suffering from it. My emotions were suffering from it. I felt very disconnected and very just, you know, um, unfulfilled, deeply dissatisfied with everything around me. And so I started down a quest of getting physically healthy because that was what was familiar to me. I had gotten myself, I was, had gained a ton of weight. I was very out of shape. And I, growing up, I was been always an athlete and very, um, up through college, I competed in the sport of rowing. So like a very, like, you know, I knew how to, how to handle my physical health. So I was like, I got, you know, looking in the mirror and I'm like, this is, we got to do something here, girl. So I started to, uh, recommit to fitness. I started to learn more about food and I started to learn more about overall like stress management and just recognizing that, you know, a basic mindfulness practice was improving my life as well as moving every day and sweating every day and eating better quality food. So during down this path of getting myself healthy, all of the people around me in the office, specifically women were like, Hey, what are you doing? Mm. Like what goes on here? Cause, cause you are seemingly implementing this like smoothly with consistency. Like we're seeing the weight fall off of you. You're obviously health happier. Like what, what's going on here? Like, what do you, what's your secret? Like, as if it is a secret. <laughs> and I started to, um, I, that's when I became aware of the fact that it wasn't necessarily very clear or easy for people to find health or happiness. 
And so through sharing my journey with friends and through just realizing how out of alignment I was working in, in an office every day. And I just was like, I'm going to start, like, I have to explore another option as a career and get into health coaching. So I worked my butt off to try to learn as much as I could for myself and around teaching and coaching. And I started learning a lot through the sphere of nutrition, which was my like really where my passion lied. Cause I started to realize how much just grocery stores are full of poison and how like the sourcing of food is so, um, people never even consider it. And I'm like, Oh my God, what are you, are you putting this in your body? So I started to get really deep down the path of, um, physical health first. Then it became that I was realizing that alongside of that, um, my mindset was shifting. And then alongside of that, it was like, I had this whole other, uh, outside of my like career change was, um, personally, I was exploring a lot more and I was, I found psychedelics and I started to go to therapy and I started doing deeper meditations. And I was trying to figure out how those two things in my life, like could come together. And, um, met Mike Bledsoe and it became obvious how those two things could come together. <laughs> and so I started to, um, work in health coaching and started to teach what I had learned to other people and started to share a lot of my journey and my path to, um, becoming more myself and becoming more comfortable in my body, my spirit, all of it. And through coaching is when I met Mark. And what I had realized at the time was that my ability to help my clients really was relatively surface. Like I couldn't get much deeper with them without, um, feeling like I was out of bounds or that I was like outside of my scope of practice or that I really wasn't sure how to like, when the traumas and the, um, the difficult, like real shit would come up. I really was like, I don't, I don't know what to do here. I didn't, I didn't, nobody taught me how to manage this. I intuitively can like understand how to guide and shape, but I'm really like, I'm, I'm out of tools. So I had met Mark and, um, re realized like how different he was from so many other people and how he just, uh, spoke so solidly and was, had a lot of fun and like nothing seemed to get to him that much. And it was like, what is this dude on? Like, what's going on here? It turns out he's on that words and breath game. <laughs> And so I started to study with him and took our, the certifications that we teach and that unlocked so much within me. Cause I realized, you know, all of the levels of coaching and all of the experience around becoming really like really what people want when they go to the gym, really what people want when they want to get healthy, really what people are seeking is, uh, is more comfort within themselves, like, and more, like more ownership of themselves and more vitality and like a, a more enjoyable life. And what gets in the way is the stories. What gets in the way is like the way we see ourselves versus the way other people see us. What gets in the way is the, the voice that nags at you. And what gets in the way is like the emotions and the stuck shit from when you were seven. And you don't even realize that that's what's blocking you. Cause one time somebody said something to you or one, uh, pretty traumatic experience or something that like you may in your adult life is seemingly innocent or seemingly unimportant is really driving the bus. And so through understanding and, and dissecting the internal dialogue, the external dialogue, how people communicate and our body language and our breathing, all of, all of the things we teach within and lifted, I all of a sudden was like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, this is what I've been trying to do with people for so long. And I just haven't really been able to, um, I, I didn't know what 
the tool was yet. And so once I latched on, it just became so, um, my coaching interactions became smoother and, and easier. My, the depth of the work I could do was stronger. Like my own life was so enriched and so much more that freedom that I opened up and mentioned about, like, I just, I became, I, I started to live an entirely different reality, um, of in like no stress <laughs> and minimal stress anyway, like, and very much just like in this flow of creation and like realizing that I could create whatever reality I wanted. And it had to start with my words and my story. And, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I know that you guys speak about and that a lot of people in the, in the spiritual world want to speak about and, you know, manifestation and getting into the plant medicine work and doing things like, you know, the mindfulness practices, the stuff that we really can use to grow and expand ourselves. Uh, it all requires words and it all requires like that communication and integration that, um, sometimes you can hear people say a lot of things that they're not really saying anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's being able to, uh, to harness the power of, of what we're speaking into existence and what we're creating in our lives. And the more clear that I got on that and the more direct and pointed I could be with my words and the more I could support other people to do it, just things start showing up and the magic comes in and it's, it's way less woo. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, I asked for that. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes like the clarity is, is so, uh, so like, boom, it's in your face. Like if everything's so clear all of a sudden and yeah, it's, it's a really fun, um, now, like we support a lot of health coaches, but much, my story is very similar to a lot of the coaches that we support within lifted people that have done, um, that are trainers and health coaches, um, life coaches, spiritual coaches, people that do any sort of like, you know, guidance for another human. So we do work with some therapists and people, um, doctors and things like that too. So it's really fun to be able to take the, um, the content that we use that you can go as deep as you want into it or stay kind of like in the word games area. And people still have these massive, like cognitive shift breakthrough moments where all of a sudden they see themselves differently. And all of a sudden they see the the scenario differently and they can snap out of their victim mentality, or they can take ownership and move forward and do something, um, that they really want to do. And so it's really, um, it's such a, it's, it's my story and it, that's why I love supporting people in yeah. it, but it's also just so powerful that, um, that we can, that we can, as soon as we learn exactly how the language influences us. Absolutely. I'd love to hear from you what you see as some of the most common stories and maybe, and, and if they overlap with some of the stories that you maybe had early on as well, great. And then how you would take someone through, uh, restructuring that story into something that can be productive. Yeah, absolutely. So the main story that we hear, and this is like the the common theme across almost every single human that we interact with at the core of it is I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Like, yeah, well, where did that come from? That. Why? Because I, I mean, I feel that. I still, <laughs> I still um, deal with that. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think that part of where it comes from for us, and I would be curious to hear your thoughts on this, Kimberly, but um, I think part of it, if not the majority of it for us co- came from our um, religious programming totally. from a very young age, religious teachings. Like we're literally told and taught like whatever you do is not going to be enough, but just keep asking for forgiveness. Keep, you know, going to God, keep confessing, keep realizing that you're not enough and just let God like 
hold you, take care of you, let Jesus do this. We come from an evangelical Christian background and we are very open about our experience uh, from a young age. But I think uh, the last I checked, upwards of 90% of Americans at least uh, identify with some type of religion that they grew up in. Even if they're not like practicing, they had the teachings early on in, in some way, shape or form. And so I think for us, definitely, and, and curious to hear your thoughts, but that was for sure a big piece of it. Yeah. I would say that the, like the, and this, these are like oversimplifications, right? Cause the story I'm not good enough is that's at the root of it. Like that's at the root, usually almost always is the root of it is like, I'm not good enough or I don't know enough or who am I to do this? Like whatever the thing is. And, um, and I think that that comes from a multitude of places, but the, the, the overgeneralization is childhood. Like we learn that in our childhood and whether that's in school because we aren't getting good grades or because we're getting in trouble or because we're trying to be perfect. And maybe we ought, we're getting that affirmation that we are, but then there's always this underlying, fe- underlying fear that like, oh, but next time, maybe not. And, uh, and, and really it could come from your family. It could come from, um, uh, you know, an absent parent or abusive parent. It could come from. Uh, like it could come from, it could also come from like kids who grew up in a great environment with really healthy, loving parents. It could still come in from that because it's uh, something that like pretty much every circumstance of every person's life, like is going to have some point in time where you felt like I didn't measure up or I'm not good enough. And depending on how many times you were experiencing that and the emotions that go along with it depends on how deep that story is going to run in you as an adult. So if you came up against it quite a bit, then as an adult, you're really going to be paralyzed by that story. Um, myself, like I, my, my family was fantastic. My parents like affirmed me in every possible way and really like loved me hard and provided for me. And I still experience it. So it can't be that it only comes from like, you know, screwed up childhood environments. Um, and so I think a lot of it comes down to like, really like, so to get to the second part of your question, Chase is about how do we, how do we work through it? Ultimately, what we're looking for is uh specific memories, which we can tie back to the feelings and emotions that come up when you're experiencing whatever you're experiencing in your adult life. And we look at um, the process of, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start from, from current day, like where people experience this. Cause people don't come out and say, I'm not good enough. Right. right. You're going to like kind of reverse with. engineer your way into it. Yeah. yeah. So what they start with is something like, um, you know, like I, I don't have enough clients or like, I'm, I I'm trying to grow my podcast and it's just not, I don't, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Right. And usually it's going to contain a lot more in that rant. It'll be much more upregulated. It'll be like, man, I just don't have enough clients. And oh, the problem is, is that like, I really need to make more money this month because I have this, this, and this coming up. And I really want to make sure that my program sells out. And I, and I really am like working hard to make sure that people understand how valuable this course is da, 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 and on and on and on and on and on. Cause that whole thing is the story freight train that's happening in our heads. And that's happening. in what we speak out loud, it's happening in what we write down. And so when I hear someone start talking in that way, there's four things that I'm tracking um, that we say that your language will influence, which is your feelings and emotions. So I'm looking for any like visible signs of um, any feelings that I can see how they're being expressed. Your posture. So I'm looking for like, are you relaxed? Are you frantic? Are you kind of like, you know, kind of like 
hiding in any way? Are you fidgeting? Like what's going on with your body language? Um, your breathing patterns, like when even I noticed I did it without even trying, which was like, after I said the first thing, I took this sigh of relief, which is like, like, <sighs> right. Um, yeah. and then the, uh, what I, what I missed feelings and emotions. Oh, our imagination. So the story that we're saying out loud is going to, is going to, um, project a movie in your head, right? Like you're going to see images, um, alongside of what you're saying or what you're reading. Like, it's like, we can, we can get a picture in our head. And so when I'm talking with someone who starts to, I mean, and, and first of all, I want to start, I want to start by saying this, like nobody is teaching you about how to track your language other than Mark England. Like <laughs> there's, right. there's, not, I haven't met another person. I, there's like practices like NLP and, and, um, you know, other communication systems and whatnot, but the simplification of how we're talking about this is so different than what many other people are speaking. So if you're like, wow, I had no idea that what I'm saying or what I'm thinking is, is influencing my body like that. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's so like minimally known that that's why we're on this path to educate. So if this is, this is likely all brand new information to most people, or they're like maybe heard it, hear it a few times, but it's like thinking about this in a different way. So, you know, be patient with yourself. <laughs> um, so the idea is, is like those four components of how the, when the story starts rolling, it becomes about now, how do I slow the story down enough to get that clarity and to understand what's really going on. So when someone's on a rant, you know, they're not tracking their breathing, their feelings and emotions, their imagination, or their posture. They're just ranting. They're letting it out, getting it off their chest. When you're, uh, when we start to understand how the language is so inextricably linked with, with how our bodies move and how our imagination works and how our breathing works, then we start to realize, okay, if I, I can slow this down and we do that by literally having people write it down. And then we can examine the words. So a story kept in the head is like this big overarching thing. A story talked out loud is like a little bit better because we get to externalize it, but it's still, uh, it doesn't really have a beginning or an end. It doesn't have a piece that we can like look at and be objective with. And so when we get it written down, now we can start to say, okay, what's going on here? We can also slow it down to allow some of those feelings, emotions, imagery, breathing patterns, posture to change and morph and change. And when you're uh, in a coaching interaction like this, like all of our coaches are trained this way to track all of that and to imagine like, you know, to see where the person's at in the journey they're going through. And our goal is to get them to uh, cut the fluff in a lot of ways, right? Because if we're out ranting or there's like a lot going on, it's like, we're going to cut the fluff. We're going to distill it down. We're going to get more clear and more solid. And then we're also going to examine, like, is this the picture I want to see in my head or is this not the picture I want to see in my head? And I can change, and this a feeling I want to feel, is this the way I want to breathe? And then we can change the words to elicit a different response. And so when we work with people in the, in their adult life, where they're at now, we're observing this, this, the current story. And then we're trying to get underneath that story. We're trying to understand like, where's the first time they felt this? Where's the first time this was experienced? Where did we learn this belief? Where did it start? Where did it stem from? And we're doing that by uh, accessing the feeling usually. So it's the emotion that comes up when you're talking about the thing. And so if right now in your adult life, you're feeling nervous because you don't have enough clients or your podcast isn't growing at the rate that you want, or there's, you know, whatever the thing is now, 
there's a feeling that comes up in your body. And where does that start? Like, where do you remember feeling that the first time in your life? Or Mm -hmm. does that remind you of a specific theme that you experienced growing up? Um, Does it take you back to another time where you felt like this? And then we want to work through that story. Because that's, you know, and we and t- take that through a couple layers deeper. We can figure out like, what did this, what did this, because ultimately the story isn't the problem. It's the meaning we assign about the story, the story of, um, you know, and I could use an example of like, okay, well, I don't have enough clients right now. And it's like, well, I was trying to get an A on my science test and, you know, I ended up getting a C. And when that happened, then I, you know, didn't graduate with honors. I don't know. I'm, make, I'm making this one up as I go, but the idea is it's like, in that moment, we can ask, well, what did that mean about you? And people can like, oh, well, I wasn't good enough. Or, oh, I didn't, I wasn't smart enough. Or, oh, I didn't meet the expectation. And that story might even go, if that's a high school memory, that might even go back deeper to when you're five, six, seven, eight years oh, old. Yeah. That you yeah. recall. Mm-hmm. So we can keep tracing back to find some of the origins of the stories. We can um, dig deeper about what the meaning is about why we thought that about ourselves or how that belief got formed. And then the best part is, is we can release it and we can replace it with something better. And that's the part where it's like, we dig back to clear it out and then we create forward. And that then retrains our brain, our patterning, our programming. And because we're looking, looking at this through an awareness of words and breathing, it primarily the vehicle, right? So it's like words are the foundation building blocks of a story. And then the breath component is our unique way of like getting everything slowed down and mm-hmm. getting people more in their body to feel the feelings and to let the stuff out of the body too. Um, we get through this process and we're able to, to get to a place where you are in control versus the story being in control. And the, the system that we use, like, this is like, you know, I could talk about this for days. I could just like turn this into a workshop, but I won't do that. But like (laughs) the idea is like the system that we use, you could, um, you know, there's very specific language patterns and very specific words that form an opinion that creates a victim mentality. And that creates this feeling of I'm not good enough or creates the experience of imposter syndrome because the words said in a certain pattern and said in a certain way are going to create the same, like whether I say them or you say them, like we both come up with somewhat similar imagery and somewhat similar feelings. And then we realize like, oh, okay. So if I say it this way, I'm going to feel and respond like this. But if I say it this way, then I feel and respond like this. And I like that one better. Okay, it's official. <laughs> I am on the Shilajit train, y'all. If you haven't heard of it, Shilajit is an ancient superfood harnessed for its tangible impact on strength, vitality, and energy. It contains an abundance of trace minerals, antioxidants, organic acids, and nutrient transporting compounds. It is a total badass supplement, you guys. But anyone who has taken Shilajit before knows that it tastes like tar. (laughs) Well, finally, the formulation geniuses at Organifi have somehow found a way to make it tasty in their new Shilajit gummies. Since taking these gummies, it's enhanced my stamina for workouts and really gives me better energy throughout my entire day. I genuinely love these gummies, and so does everyone else. Organifi can hardly keep them stocked. 
to support your mitochondria, eliminate heavy metals, and fuel your body with critical trace minerals, go to Organifi.com and use the discount code MIMIFIT, that's M-I-M-I-F-I-T, for a hefty 20% off your SheLegit gummies or any other Organifi products. Enjoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so you you beautifully explained that. And there's so many like different directions we could go. Um, I think it's really important to to highlight the last thing that you just said, where it's like sometimes it's just a tweak of one or two words. And we see this, or I'll speak for myself, I see this in uh relationship communication. Um, you know, you can get the same point across. Uh, in, in a healthy and balanced way with your partner, if you tweak one word or tweak, you know, two words, it can come off completely different and be, be undigestible to your partner. So like, it might sound trivial when we're talking about like, yeah, just one or two words or a, t- a slight tweak or even like tone, you know, yep. can make a huge difference. And so I feel that completely because oftentimes when I'm thinking about how to communicate my feelings, thoughts, or ideas to chase, I'm going through and like, almost like have a sentence in my mind. And I'm like, actually, that word is not really reflective of of my heart or my feelings. And if I just switch out this one word or phrase it as a question instead of a statement, like these are small tweaks, but they have profound effects. And, and we've experienced that, I would say, in relationship, especially. Totally. And and if we didn't actually go to the proactive effort of having a new database of language to use, we would only ever be playing off of what we've experienced or witnessed. And unfortunately, in our culture, there's not a large, uh, healthy, uh, abundant option as it pertains to what language we can use to to integrate into that scenario. And and so, yeah, it's it's spot on. You know, something that was coming up for me as you were talking is when we have a physical injury, and let's just say in the in the best case scenario, when we have a physical injury, let's say we sprain our ankles, we go get a diagnosis immediately and they go, hey, rule it out. It's not broken. It's sprained, but you're going to need some treatment. You're going to need some time. And then you're going to need some level of therapeutic recovery so that you can get back to walking normal and trust your body fully to be able to function as it once did, if not better. However, when it comes to things that are emotional in nature or psychic in nature, and it's, it's, you know, more pertaining to our emotions and our, and our psychology, we don't address it right away. We, we have an injury that happens and many of us, all of us do in childhood to some degree. And, um, we move on for the rest of our life. We take that sprained ankle that's in our brain, if you will, and we learn to compensate around it. Mm-hmm. We learn to compartmentalize and bury it. We go on our in our life forgetting that we ever sprained our brain ankle long, long ago. And so it takes a little bit different set of therapeutic interventions to reopen the wound or the injury. And first it starts with identification, you know, something that should have been done long ago. You get a diagnosis. However, in our world, I feel like in 2023, our culture thinks that's the healing Mm -hmm. is just the identification. And we all go, oh, my God, we've been victimized. We've been victimized. Trauma happened. Trauma. I've, I've experienced trauma and we stop there. But, dude, there's no there's no actual change. 
outside of the fact that you're just slightly more aware and there's these mm -hmm. other protocols you need the therapy and you need time as we talked about injuries of any kind have this beautiful way of leaning into time and having an ability to to leverage the body's ability to recover and heal itself with the proper modalities for recovery and for therapy and so it's but it's only when we get through those therapeutic interventions and we're able to trust that that part of our body again you know the thing that we've been limping on forever, we don't have to overcompensate for anymore. And we can continue to go on living our life as if there was never an injury there to begin with. And that's where I think the real healing takes place. And that's my ultimate frustration with like this obsession that we have in culture right now that that is like uh, self-work is it's, it's like 5% of the way there. And identification is cr a critical, you know, diagnosis, critical, uh, critically important step. But the work is in the things that you're you're spelling out, which is like, how do we actually reframe the language? How do we actually take the default mode network that's been built over years and years and years that suggests you're not worthy, that suggests, you know, bad things have happened to you and always will, and actually reframe them to the degree that you're able to get to the point where you no longer limp and no longer overcompensate for that thing that you think is injured within yourself. Yeah. Okay. I have a lot. I have a lot of things to say on this. I love this direction. So ultimately like the, the, that overarching victim mentality, which, uh, people can get stuck in, right. Cause that's what you're speaking is like the things that we stuff down and then we make it seem like, oh, well, I'm just, this is the trauma that I have. And this is the stories I'm up against. And this is why I am this way. And, and maybe I try to fix it, but I'm not really sure how to fix it. I just have to like wear my trauma, like a badge of honor and just, but I'm aware of it. So it's all good. Right. Now here's the, here's the thing that I think that I've observed in communities of people that, that, or maybe not even communities, just people that I've seen, uh, do that is they're genuinely very dissatisfied. Like they're very uneasy, uncomfortable, unhappy, like in some capacity and the, um, and they're like stuck in it and they don't know how to get themselves out. So then sometimes they go find other people that are stuck in their shit. And then they try to act like they're healing it, but they're talking around it or they're, they're like always trying to do the next thing, or they're always in a plant medicine ceremony, or they're always, mm -hmm. you know, doing the things and like, they can't actually get any real integration or real change to happen. And ultimately the reason that I think that that happens is because they haven't changed the story. They haven't, you know, like our words and our language is like, think about it as like a software update for your phone. You know, at some point in time, the programming is old mm -hmm. and we got to put yeah. in a new one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And instead yeah. of re reprogramming, it's just disassociating yeah. from it. And so there's yeah. this little like pseudo route to disassociate, which I love psychedelics. They've been transformative yeah. for my life, but they are a way to escape the, the dense 3D yeah. world that we're a part of. Yeah. I think people get confused and think that plant medicine is the work. But really, yeah. it's just opening the blinds and showing you what's there. Anything that comes up is just already inside of you. And the plant medicine is able to just open the curtains. And now you get a full force view, maybe from a different angle than you saw it before. But that in and of itself is not the work. The work comes afterwards, similar to when you identify the trauma, when you identify maybe the root of your suffering. It's it's there's so much after that. And I, I, I think that it is an important step for 
people to sit in for a moment and even maybe find other people who you can, who you can resonate with, who you can talk about your story, know that you're not alone. Like, I think that there is some value there. It's not going to be immediate for anyone. You know, as soon as you identify the issue or problem or the story, you're not going to the next second go into healing. Like that's just not how it happens in reality. So I want to, I want to, um, you know, make sure I convey that, that like, people who are listening and they're they're identifying some of the roots of their suffering it's like it's normal it it's common it's normal but like once you know better you can do better and i think that that the doing better comes in the actual steps that you take to change or to evolve and grow past the trauma so that you you're not unconsciously using it as a way to maybe receive sympathy or connection with people. Like, I think that happens a lot. We know people in our own life that are stuck in this like victim trauma mode. Well, I've had it. They... I mean, we, I've had it in my own yeah, life. Where I've I had it too. Stuck yeah. in that yeah. little realm where I'm like, wow, I just identified all of the things that were, were screwing me up and, and I can't wait to talk about it because it gives me this little like feeling of value. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And yeah. I think it, it, it does form bonds and connection with people, which also holds value. So I'm not poo-pooing this. It's just that this is, um, there's so much more to the healing story than just the identification. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think the, one of my favorite ways to apply the Enlifted method is through, uh, integrating stories from psychedelic experiences. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, unknowingly was doing that for myself. Once I started learning the enlifted method, I was still like, you know, it took me a little while to put all the things together. Right. Which was like, I had psychedelics over here. I had my coaching over here. I had this enlifted work over here. I had other tools and things that were kind of all in like little, you know, buckets across my desk or something. Right. And it took me a while to like make a potion. Right. Which was like, Oh, I learned how to apply these together. And what I, what I found and what I, and like specifically in, in plant medicine experiences is like that story that we experience when we are, uh, in it is so different than what happens when we're back to this plane. Yeah. And it's very difficult to integrate and it's very difficult to understand what just happened. And the thing is, is that, you know, people have memories and they have, they can recount stories of what they saw. Um, I was just working on this with a client last week, um, or a couple of weeks ago, that she about over a year ago had an ayahuasca ceremony that, you know, she had a handful of different, very strong images and things that she could remember from it. And that were, um, you know, like messages that she's getting and and she just really was struggling to integrate it into her life because she couldn't make meaning of it. She was like, I don't know, just this is what I saw and it's so profound and da, da, da. And so what we did was we like, I had her write down the experience of like exactly as she remembered it, what happened. And we went through the process of slowing it down and adding in some breath and changing a few words and shifting some things around. And all of a sudden it was like, she was like, oh, oh, oh my God, that's what it means to me. And that's what it's meant. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get all the way there. Cause it was like soup in my head. You know, it was just kind of like the beautiful imagery of just tripping in my head and like, couldn't figure out how to get that back into the real world in my real life. And, and, and that's language, right? That's the, that's the work that language can do is we can contextual, we can 
We can literally move that experience through our hand and a pen or type it out on a computer. And then that thing is right there and it's in the material world. And then we can tinker with it, right? We can change some words. We can add a few words. We can shift. We can ask more questions and we can actually get into, um, getting a nugget of wisdom, right. Or getting the, um, getting a mantra, getting a, getting a, um, affirmation, something that's going to help you actually apply it every single day rather than just being like, Oh, I had this amazing thing. And I, and, you know, I just, I don't know what it's done for me, but I know it changed my life and (laughs) you know, it's not as integratable. And so like one of the things that I've, I've really enjoyed is that, you know, I don't like specifically coach people on this, but a lot of the people that are in my sphere and space, like like the things I like and I like psychedelics. And so <laughs> it's been, it's been a, uh, a thing that I can use with, with people because we've shared those experiences. And like, I, I find that, you know, and this is, this is not unique to psychedelics. This could be also for, um, breathwork experiences mm-hmm. this could also be for, um, you know, like long retreat, like a, a Pasana retreat or something like where you're just silent for 10 days. Um, it could be, anything that like takes us out of our usual, you had a great hike, you know, yeah, yeah. sex, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yes. Out of your, your dense body. Yeah. Yeah. And they change, like they change our perspective of reality and they change our perspective of what's possible. And like, I know for myself, like I, like the first few times that I had psychedelics, I just came back and I was like, what the hell? Whoa. <laughs> None of this works how I thought. I don't even know like what to do with this information. I'm not sure. I'm scared. I'm also like totally ungrounded. Like I don't get it. And <laughs> everything I thought I knew isn't true. And like, you know, and it starts like peeling back the layers of, um, anything. I mean, you could do that without psychedelics too. You could just like, you know, plop yourself into a totally different way of living and different culture. You could do it through, um, you know, just getting down a, the wrong wrong rabbit hole on TikTok, Like, you know, like you could figure out like a lot of things about life when we step outside of our usual patterns and usual story. Yeah. Well, even in fitness and wellness, right. You've been squatting a particular way. Cause your gym coach in, in high school told you that, you know, it needed to be, you know, keep your, keep your knees in front of your, like behind your toes at all times. Now there's all this inf- data and beautiful information around strengthening the knees and knees over toes. And you're like, Oh my God, I don't know how to do that. And so yeah. you feel like a, like a, like a, baby giraffe trying to, you know, squat and use these different modalities that are available to us now. And so I think even in, even with our physical bodies, we've gone through those types of experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, like that learning experience that like lessons that we get, that we integrate the, the whole thing is as like, again, it comes back to like constructing your identity, like you, how you move in the world, um, what's important to you, who you are, how you want to show up. And for a lot of people, I would say that that is a relatively unclear thing. Like, I don't really know who I am and I'm not sure why I'm here and I'm not really clear on my purpose and I'm not sure about like what I'm doing. And that, um, that underlying uncertainty of our own identity is really because our identity and our story are so like, they're very close. Like they're almost the same thing. And when we, um, when we set out on a path to like learn who we are or like find our values and find out how I want to live and operate in the world. We're confronted with all those stories from our past Mm -hmm. and all the times that we weren't that person with all the times we weren't that way. Um, you know, like you want to attract a new partner and it's like, but every other time the guy's done this, that, and the other thing to you, or like called you fat or whatever. Right. And it's like, well, not every man is going to behave that way, but that's my story of how men behave. So I'm hypersensitive to that. Um, or I would expect that that's, what's going to happen. I have to unlearn and change 
the story and so much of like how we, um, how we do that is so unconscious for the most part. Like we're not really thinking about what we're thinking about. We're just thinking we believe everything that runs through the front of our brain because it's in my own head. And of course, like I should, that's my own voice. Like I should believe it. Um, or the voices that are coming in, whether it's from the media or from the social media or from podcasts or wherever you're like in taking information, um, you can't just blindly believe it, right? You got to ask and see if it's true in, in for yourself and, or fact check it, whatever. And like, and, and not that I'm saying like fact check everything. It's like, you'll know what's true. Like you will know if it resonates with you or not, but it's being able to like use that information in a discerning way and consider what's happening in our own minds, consider what's happening in our own stories. And then say, is this how I want to be? Is this who I want to, how I want to live? Is this the experience I want to have of myself? And if it's no, then, then set yourself out on a path to change it. Did you know that Mushy Love Latte contains three to five times more organic mushrooms per serving than almost any other mushroom product out there? How did we do this? Well, we started with the question, how do we get the most mushrooms possible packed into each scoop and still make it delicious? It took us a while, but the result is a whopping one gram of chaga and tremella in a mixture that tastes like a liquid cinnamon roll. To support robust immunity, glowing skin and hair, and overall cellular hydration. All organic ingredients, no weird fake sweeteners, and our mushroom growers have over 40 years of experience. They are OGs in the mushroom industry. We weren't interested in creating anything but the best for you guys and ourselves. Grab a bag of Cinnamon Swirl Mushy Love Latte at getmushylove.com and you can use the discount code MEDICIN, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, just for being a valued listener of the podcast. Enjoy. And what I have found, like in in my own personal experience of doing that and in my experience of coaching other people, the best thing to do first is to get through those stories and get clear on where you want to go and get clear of the stuff that's keeping you stuck and holding you back because no amount of external stuff is going to change the internal landscape. It's just going to be, you know, adding more into the equation versus stripping away or mm-hmm. being able to like create that blank slate or, or even honestly, like a physical environment to receive a new story. Right. Cause I've talked a little bit about the posture and the breath and the emotions and the feelings, right. That's part of that internal landscape, which is that, you know, my experience of myself. And if I'm constantly having thoughts racing and I'm constantly feeling like my breath is tight and trapped, and I'm not really able to like drop into the present and be smooth and have it be easy. Um, because I'm always thinking about something else, or I'm always worried about something else, or I'm always worried about how people see me, or I'm always thinking about, you know, like I'm stressed about money or whatever the thing is, if that's like constantly taking over my, um, my emotional body and my mental body, then how am I actually going to be able to change? How am I going to be able to like free myself of that? How am I going to be able to like clear that out until I take a second and actually like, you know, go like come into the dark corners and shine the flashlight and see like what's really going on inside me and my experience of myself. And when you can slow everything down and you can take inventory and you can, I'll take, I'll keep this one. I'll throw this one out. I'm going to change this one a little bit. Like we're very malleable and very resilient. That was the other thing I was going to say about the, the ankle mental side, right? Like the analogy of like spraining your ankle or like the stuff that the emotional mental injuries that we have, 
like our body, like I think we understand this about the physical body that it is incredibly resilient, that if something goes wrong, you can heal it. If something breaks, you can fix it. Um, and the same is true of our emotional body and our spirit. It's not as obvious how to do it. Right. It's not as obvious how, how easy it can be. Yeah. Right. I think that's why people like to get into the deep stuff, thinking that the harder it is, the more effective it is. Mm. Like it's not necessarily yeah. some of this stuff can be light and fun and free. Like, um, I, one of the things that I, I pick up on when I'm around a lot of the like more woo circles is how much people like think it has to be dark. You know, it's gotta be, I gotta go into the darkness. That'll work. How about yeah. not? How about there's also like fun, playful ways to, to heal yourself and to open yourself up. And, and that's just, again, it's like the, the ability to like, look and see, like, there's many angles and many ways to, to get there. And a, di- a different path is going to be the diff, like everybody's path is going to be different. Yeah. And, and just like being able to build that awareness of your story as the observer of your story, rather than the like, Mm-hmm. You know, like just de facto, this is exactly how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really important point. I mean, in my physical wellness journey, the antidote was not do more. It was actually chill out, like work in a little bit. You're working out way too much. It's health is actually holistic and it includes recovery. And so my a compulsion to overly exercise all the time because it felt like I was scratching the itch of being productive Mm -hmm. and making progress and accomplishing something was actually killing me. And so my medicine was to sink in and relax, restore, recover, moderate, moderate for, for God's sake, moderation. And, um, oddly enough, it was a very, although challenging ended up being a very pleasant addition to Mm -hmm. my wellness protocol because it feels really good to relax and recover. Mm -hmm. It just, I had to get through that sort of uh, neurotic compulsive tendency that I had so that I could be open enough to experience the benefits of, you know, recovery and restoration. And so I think that's a huge point because there is a section in the, the, you know, mindfulness space that may actually need just just to, the permission slip to chill yeah, out to chill and and stop looking for things yes. to um <laughs> something that came up for me when you were speaking about um you know uh racing thoughts and breath in the the chest and slowing things down it made me think how many people in America right now are on some type of anxiety medication or depression uh, uh, medication who could go through this process, like a real process of learning how to use their breath and um, writing down their story, figuring out if, you know, there is a new story that they can and should be telling themselves guaranteed. There probably is. Um, I have friends and family that, you know, have anxiety and I'm like, how many people on medication right now could actually regulate themselves without maybe the the side effects of medication. I'm not I'm not saying that everyone that there's no value in medication, of course, but there's probably, I don't know, a few million people that could learn how to use their breath. Like, have you experienced that at all when with your clients or people that you know where they learn these techniques for themselves and their their actual physical health changes in some way? 
Oh yeah, abso- absolutely. Yes. Um, I, so I think that this is, this is where like my holistic health coaching mind goes, which is like the, there are so many things that contribute to creating anxiety and depression that are our environment, our internal environment that are what we're eating, what, how we're, what we're doing, like the, you know, all of the things that are happening around us. And some of it is in our control. Some of it is out of our control. And when I think about how much, like ultimately the way our society is set up right now is that I have a problem and I want to pill for that. So like, Oh, I can't do this. I want to pill for that. Cause they want the quick fix. They don't actually want to like learn how to do something on their own or do the, the, the change. And, and part of that is because of big food and big pharma and how our society has been built on those huge economic engines of cash. And then another part of it is how just our society is so disconnected because of that, right? Because I don't know how many people who are bare feet out in the earth, living in community, eating good food, drinking good water are experiencing anxiety. You know, like, I don't think that that really, yeah. other than maybe like, you know, there's another tribe next door that's going to attack us, right? Uh, but like healthy amounts of stress in the right ways. And so I think that what has happened in our, our, world is that it becomes increasingly difficult for people to have a more natural grounded experience and create the space to actually hear themselves, hear their story, hear the experience. Like we're so overstimulated mm-hmm. and the, uh, so we're not only up against our own story, we're up against the collective stories. Mm-hmm. And depending on how much you scroll on Instagram or TikTok or how much YouTube you watch or what you're consuming and all of this stuff, that's just so much, it makes sense to me that people are experiencing what they're experiencing. What I definitely know to be true is that there is a way to learn how to think differently and experience things differently. Now, if that means that that can resolve the anxiety or depression label, then cool. But I don't know. I'm not, I have no research to back that up. I have no studies to do, to, to show that. I just know that if you change how you think about things and you speak about yourself differently and you downregulate, like most of the time, all of my anecdotal evidence says, yes, you can do that. Um, and, and I think that like where we've gotten to, to a place of like, so again, like these, it just goes back to like identity and labels. So there are a lot of people who say like, oh, I have anxiety as their label. Like they tell it all the time. They talk about it all the time. They wear that thing. Like it's like, you know, metal around their neck and, again, I come back to the words are spells. If I tell myself every day, I have anxiety, what am I going to experience anxiety? If I tell myself like, you know, and, and it just becomes like, it becomes like, like chicken or the egg, like what's really going on here. Is it the thoughts that are making us sick? Is it the environment that's making us sick? Is it both? Which one comes first? Which one can I fix first? And that's such a personal journey that you're going to have to figure out on your own guys. I'm sorry. I don't have any answers. <laughs> like you're going to have to like go down the path and like figure yeah. out which thing goes first for you. But I also know that like either one, if you pick either one to go first, the other one's going to move, right? Because it is, it is connected. And I think a lot around the idea of like, you know, what I've seen, the transformations that I've seen, um, the results that I've seen of our students that have come through the Enlifted certifications of the women that I've worked with specifically. What I know is that any time you enter a like process of transformation and introspection and change, like when you want to do it for yourself and you're committed to it, you're going to get results. And I've seen the evolution and the quality of my results go up when I address the story for myself, my own personal story. That's absolutely true. Like 
like 1000%. And then in my coaching experience, like I know that I'm able to get people quit, like the clarity and the accuracy and the implementation quicker, faster, more completely when I address the words in the story. And so I'm, yeah, I'm a little biased. And I also think that that's really is a really important piece. And what I love about what we teach is like, it's, it's a plug into so many other modalities. It's a plug into what, what other tools you're using, right? Like you're a coach, you're a leader, you're doing, you're um, a podcaster, like whatever it is that you're doing that you're on a mission to educate other people or get other people on this journey with you. It's like, you need multiple tools in your tool belt. You can't just like use a hammer for everything. And so I think that there's a, um, there's a validity to like collecting different experiences and learning different modalities. And then when you find the one that like really works with you as that practitioner, it's like, okay, double down on it, learn as much as you can make it your own. And then like, let you, you become the medicine of, of you and your experience becomes that, you know? So I think that the, the work that we have, like as a collective here to like help bring relief to these people that are experiencing, um, life totally different than how we are. Right. And know that there's, that there is a lighter, brighter side, or there is, um, some, you know, aspects of healing waiting for them. If they do small, simple changes around their food or their diet, or, you know, how they connect and relate to themselves and how they connect and relate to God, like all of that stuff, whatever, which way that looks for them. Again, I come back to, it always ends up in the internal dialogue. It always ends up in what am I saying to myself to get me to do the thing? And what's the conversation like in my head? And if the conversation in my head is not a nice conversation to be in, like, how can I shift it? And how can I help myself talk myself into the things I want, relieve myself of the things I don't. And, and maybe that means that it's going to resolve just general, like, um, with enough practice and with an, with enough implementation that you can solve for the, uh, for the, the stress of the modern world and yeah. you can find the freedom in the flow because you're like, Oh, okay, well, it's like here, <laughs> here's a new way to look at it. Or here's a new way to experience relief from that. And let instead of letting it all get you so worked up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Something beautiful. we talk about quite a bit on this show is, you know, sometimes we get stuck downstream and we're looking at the downstream symptoms or manifestations of whether that be physical illness or psychic weight or whatever it is. We're looking down here when really we need to like walk two miles upstream and address what's going on up here, which could be the the story, the words that we're telling ourselves. Most likely it is at least in connection to that. And um, yeah, I love that where it's like we're, we're going upstream that hopefully the stream will flow a little bit better you know, downstream and things will be cleaner for us. It's just, it's a process. It's, it's not a flip of a switch. Um, and, and I think that it, it invites us into commitment to the journey, to the path, having patience and compassion for ourselves, but also pair it with curiosity rather than I'm not doing enough, you know, flogging myself type of stuff. It's not that you're not enough. It's not that you're not doing enough or not doing it right. It's just like, we need to come at it with this combination of compassion for ourselves. You don't know what you don't know and curiosity um, rather than the sort of flogging yourself approach. And I think when we do that, we create this foundation, this like healthy soil from which self-development can sprout up instead of, 
the negative or like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I need to do better. I need to do better. If self-development is connected in any way to discomfort or pain, there's a, there's a higher likelihood that we're going to want to avoid that self-development, even on a subconscious level or unconscious level. So I think if if we can, you know, inject the soil of our self-development with that com- uh, curiosity and compassion, um, we're going to be more likely to stick with it because it is, like I said, it's a journey. <laughs> it's a path. It's like some of these things we're going to be working on probably our entire life to some degree. It's like it gets better and better and better. And then something happens in your life. Like you have a kid or you get married. Like some of the self-development work is kind of a, it's easier when you might be single and then you get a partner, you start living with someone. And then now you have a new mirror for yourself and it changes everything. And so like some of these things are going to come back to us when we think, damn it, I thought I healed that. I thought I was through that. I thought I changed the story. And this new life event is bringing up a whole new layer of like, okay, this is just a new flavor of this that I get to, that I'm being invited into the work. Hey friend, by now, I think most of us realize that our earth needs our support more than ever. Sadly, most of the usable soil on earth has been degraded into lifeless dust by conventional farming's overuse of glyphosate and pesticides. This is a big problem for not only us, but even bigger problem for our kids' generation. Chase and I's favorite way to support the earth is by supporting the regenerative farmers who use methods that do not degrade the soil, but builds robust, rich, biodiverse soil. Every month we receive our meat subscription box from Wild Pastures that provides a wide variety of meat, chicken, sausage, pork, beef, and even organ meats if we want. These are the best prices we have found on meat that's organic, pasture-raised, and sourced from regenerative farmers. And boxes are completely customizable to fit your family's needs. With Wild Pastures, you're not only supporting your family's health with the highest quality meat, you're also supporting future generations and our earth, our home. Now, Wild Pastures is giving you 20% off your subscription and free shipping for life. Just check the show notes below for our direct link and start building your first box. Enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the one of the key things that I'm like hearing Mark in my head right now, and he's like, I'm just gonna say what it, what he would say, which is that like the reason this works is because we're working on the mechanics of storytelling, and so you can practice changing the mechanics, right? So if you in in the context of, um. Like it's so practical. It's so practical because it's literally like slow down enough to say, what did I just say in that sentence in my head? Or what did I just say to my partner? Or what did I just say to my child? And realize, again, I'll bring this back actually, um, Mimi, when you were mentioning about how changing a few words and how you communicate with Chase has improved your ability to communicate and connect. The part of why learning this skill set is so valuable is because it, it, yes, it allows you to communicate better to yourself and others, but it also helps you anticipate and understand how that other person may receive what you said, mm-hmm. right? Because if you look at it and you just check in and you read, you know, if you're writing a text message and, um, you read what you said 
And then you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, how do I feel when I read that? Like if somebody sent that to me, how would I feel? How would I imagine the story going in my head? How would I imagine that like my emotional response would be? Then you can be like, oh, you know what? Actually, that's a little too harsh or, oh, that's like not quite correct. Or, oh, that was, that sounds like I was trying to be playful. And that sounds like, you know, my sarcasm is too like whatever you can, you can understand that there's the response. Like you can anticipate what someone else may think or say, and that's not to say you're a mind reader, but like you can have more connection with how the other person may receive it. And so when we go through this process of the practice of hearing our thoughts, auditing our thoughts and saying like, is that really what I meant or getting curious about it and saying, huh, is that like, do I like that way that makes me feel when I think about this that way? And then knowing how to change it is the part that is, is the practical part, right? So I can use an example of like simple, basic stuff, which is, um, you know, we talk about soft talk. I have this plaque behind me that has all the words on it and soft talk is words that like they're extra, they're fluff, but they really kind of undermine what, what you're trying to say. And I just use one as I said it, cause I was like, this is like, you know, it's, <laughs> it I know, just yeah. Undermines it. yeah, it, it creates this experience. That's not very solid. It's not very clear. And so I like to use this example of like, you're going to go meet your friends on Friday night and like the person who's, who's setting it up invites everybody over. And it's like, Hey, um, you know, meet at my place at 7 PM. And then, um, somebody messages back and says, yeah, I think I'll be able to make it. Okay. That's different than I'm there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, see you then. And, uh, and you might have every intention of being there and like, yeah, I think I'll be able to make it as it could have meant, like you could have said, like it, to you, it might've sounded solid, like I'm coming, but really what that says is like, I'm not sure if you're coming or not. Um, in a, um, in a conversation with someone else, you can get into like, um, just saying things that are super soft. Like I'm going to look at my board and see if I can make some things up like, Oh, I guess that will work. Right. And it's like, well, it'll work or it won't like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, some of the aspects of you hear it in conversation when people are, they're using it as like filler words and, um, you have a, a, someone on stage giving a talk and they're, and they're saying great stuff, but they're using a ton of soft talk and they just don't sound certain of what they're saying or that sounds yeah. like, yeah. and there's so many different ways that could show up. And that's just one component of what we call conflict language. And once you learn how to identify the words and you can understand, and again, the language patterns that are created by stringing together certain words in a certain way. And then you learn, Oh, I can just change one of these words to create an entirely different picture in my head. Or I can remove with soft talk, we can remove the word and, and then I'm solid and I'm certain. And what I found in, even in the scenario of just meeting up with friends, it helps me, it helps me be certain in what I'm going to do. It helps me be more committed to the things I'm going to do. It helps me follow through on the things that I said I would do really honor my word. And then it also creates a lot more clarity with the other party because they're like, oh yeah, no, she said that. And that's what she means. It's not, it's not ambiguous or vague. It's Mm -hmm. clear. And so that, that experience of like being able to practice that, right. Cause it's like the, the simplest way to practice it first and foremost is like in your text messages and emails, cause you're always writing something and you'll share something and like you're texting something and you're putting up an Instagram post, whatever, like whatever you're writing down, take a second, like read it back and read it back with a different set of eyes of, um, can I make this more clear, more solid? Can I, um, 
can I see, can I really like, is the picture that's coming up in my head and the feelings coming through my body about how I want to say this? Is this really how I want to communicate? And sometimes it's, it might seem fine to you, but then it's like the other person doesn't respond the way you want. You're like, oh, what the heck? But it's like really understanding how the language is going to create certain responses um, and certain, certain, um, like without getting into all the weeds of it, right. It's just that we understand, like, I'll go back to what I was mentioning, those four aspects of how language impacts us. Like it will undoubtedly every time that that's going to happen, like when you're communicating. So just by knowing that there is a system that you can use to apply and there's a way to learn. And it's so simple. It's like, so simple. It's like, almost like, it's like mind numbingly simple. Once you see the whole thing and you're like, what, <laughs> like, what, and, and then, um, the practice of it becomes, because we've have a lifetime of how we think and speak. We have a, um, we have a lot of buildup of those stories and we have a lot of buildup of the meaning of the stories. And there's a process. Like I, I tell our students, like our certification, if you take level one and two, it's like probably three months long of studying. And I tell them, I'm like, great, you just got started. Now you learned what it is that you're going to do. And now you got to go practice it for a year and then come back to me and tell me what's different because nothing's going to be different right now. Just because you learn the information, you have to go use it. Yeah. Right? Like if you, you know, learn how to do a squat doesn't make you strong. Like you have to squat, you have to go practice it. And so, so much of the world and personal development and self-help, a lot of what I experienced before this was that I could practice it, but it didn't necessarily like change anything. Like it was harder to like keep, it was kind of like, what is this? Okay. Like, ah, and this is like instantaneous because if I apply it and I practice it, something's going to shift, whether in me or the person that I'm talking to, um, you know, or in my own mind, it's going to, you know, I catch myself even still, I practice every single day, catch myself being like, oh, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, okay, I hear, I hear that. And so if I don't want to do this, what do I want to do? Or what am I resisting or what's going on here? I can ask better questions to understand what's underneath my automatic response of frustration or whatever, you know? And it's like, it's not that I don't feel and experience those things anymore. I definitely do. Like, I definitely do hear the voice in my head say some wild things. I definitely do like have the full gamut of emotions and experiences. I regulate them all so much faster now because I can hear the words and I'm like, oh, those words are creating this picture in my head. And if I change this one, all of a sudden now I feel totally different. Okay, cool. Where's my breath at? Great. Let me, cool. Yeah. Good. And I can, I can, pretty quickly and for bigger stuff. Yeah. Maybe it's a day or two for me to like really work through it, but nothing sticks hard. Like it used to, you know, nothing's going to derail me for an entire month. Like it used to, yeah. um, the, the, the resiliency is so high. The bounce back is so high because it, you realize, Oh, it's like no big deal. Actually, like yeah. just reframe that and move on. And it becomes very, um, yeah, it becomes like, so it's like just so much smoother. Yeah, definitely. I, I, when I first got into, self-development and mindfulness and was relatively kind of in the shallow end of it. I would hear things like that where, where people, you know, proclaim to, to get to this space where they're able to like self-diagnose and actually fine tune. And I'd be like, really? Like, really? But as I've gotten into it, obviously I've felt that feeling myself in certain cases, but I'm also remembering back on times in my life where I have developed a skill and I've I've thoroughly developed the skill. I played basketball from as early as I can remember through college. And, you know, thousands, if not millions of times I've shot a basketball and I've been through, you know, coaching pro 
programs and have a very specific set to to the way that I shoot the ball. And all it would take would would be seeing film of what was off. Oh, my my elbow is not on a line. It needs to be like directly in line with you know where the hoop is, or I'm getting my guide hand into the shot a little bit and it's causing a slight spin to the rotation of the ball. And and you have enough of a skill, a, a baseline skill set that you can actually apply that framework back to some level of evidence in your life. And it's challenging in the moment to just like quickly correct it. Like if in the middle of a game, I may not be able to see the fact that, you know, my my offhand is getting a little bit into my shot. But when I see the film, I'm like, I know exactly what's going on. I've got years under my belt at this point. And I think that that is a you know relatable example for many people who've who've probably got some sort of skill in their life where they would quickly be able to identify something that is that is wrong with the formation and the execution of that skill. Um, and so I think that makes complete sense. And, and even just for the listeners there as they're hearing this, like, yo, it's possible. It's possible with these these mental skills that we develop in these frameworks and these tools that we apply to our own, you know, mental well-being and emotional well-being. And that when you have a, a tool belt like you do, you can actually know, oh, here's the tool that I need to apply because this is the little spot that needs tweaking. Mm-hmm. And so just as just to, you know, validate the things that you're you're saying, I felt it not only in my own life, but you also see it across a host of other, you know, physical representations of of fine tuning one's own ability to do something. Yeah. And I I would say um pulling on the thread of the soft talk, you know, you mentioned earlier in the conversation <clears throat> people who might feel aimless or purposeless or they're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what my identity is. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I'm here to do or to gift to the world or to really sink my teeth in in, in a work sort of capacity. I, as a practice, you know, this person would probably benefit from, no, I'm going to take, I'm going to take out (laughs) probably. There you go, girl. (laughs) That person would benefit from going through some sort of soft talk challenge. You know, when we interviewed uh, Mark, he, he talked about this. Um, and he's like, you know, we, we have a challenge, like try it for a week, try not to use any of these words for a week. What that would do likely I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, and you can, you can chime in here, but because you're not telling, you're not discounting what you're saying to yourself and others, you are firm. Like it puts you on a track of like, no, this, this is a yes, or this is a no. It's not like we're not living in maybe land. Right. I think just that subconscious, like penetration into what you do and don't want to do, I think would probably, God damn it. <laughs> I, it's such an example, right? Cause it's like how rapid it is in our language and how much. Right, we, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah. Uh, so and it's fine. Point, and it's like, it, I love that you're practicing it real time. Cause that's how this, sh- this is how this works. Yeah. yeah. Real time practice. Thankfully, I feel very on purpose in my life. And the, the fact that I use probably sometimes is is not taking me away from my purpose. But if this is something something you struggle with, try this soft talk challenge and see if you feel more penetrative in whatever you're up to in life. And that might put you on a different path of purpose. Um, yeah. Any Any thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. The soft talk we say is the gateway drug because it's the easiest thing to understand and it's the most uh, easy to rectify, which is just delete them. Mm -hmm. And to piggyback on what Chase, you were just saying about the game tape, we, uh, we, if we're, if our language is the game, like how do you get game tape of your language? Well, you have to listen to what you say. 
Yeah. And you have to write down what you say and you got to read back what you say. And then you got to understand, okay, well that, yes, that's this specific way of stringing these words together, created this response and imagery in my head and this way my body felt. And, and so it's like, we have access to reviewing the game tape at all times. If we can be slow enough and observant enough and detached enough to say, oh, I just said that, you know, and much like what Mimi just described here was like, she's talking and she uses a soft talk and it's not the, the thing is, it's not using soft talk. That is the problem. It's the unintentional use of soft talk mm-hmm. when it's, it's happening so often that yeah. you don't even know, like you don't, you, again, you're disconnected from the idea of how that's impacting you. Cause most people are very unaware, but you've, now that you've trained, like you had the one conversation, it trained your mind to think about those words. You recognize when you're using them. And then in the real time practice, like exactly what you just did, which was like, you heard it. And you stopped because as soon as you heard it, you were like, oh, that's not what I meant. And then you adjust. And we joke and we call this a speech embitterment, which is like instead of a speech impediment. And so people like um, people who are very familiar with the Inlifted method in the systems are like coaches or people who have been listening to us on our podcast for a long time. They'll hear us say things like soft talk acknowledged or negation acknowledged, which is that to say that I know what I said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> is not textbook, like perfect. Right. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, we'll say should with a little asterisk on it or could with a little asterisk. Cause like, it's to acknowledge that I understand what I'm saying and I'm saying it on purpose. Yeah. And the, um, Mark is, he says this all the time. He's like, I hear every word that comes out of my mouth and, and I, I can't say the same for myself yet. I I'm working on it for sure. I try as best as I can to really hear what I'm saying and to really like follow my speech and w- both internally and externally. But I definitely read every word that I write down. I know for sure when I write something, I'm whether that's an email, a text, a note on my paper, um, when I'm writing in my journal or my own writing practice, I am hyper aware of every word that I use and everything that I put down on paper because I understand that that type of clarity is important for mm-hmm. me personally and also whoever it is that I'm communicating to. I also know that the, like the, res- again, the response component is like, let me be as, as, um, direct and accurate and clear and like share everything that I need to say in the right ways. And, and yeah, and it's like, I think that the, the general like conversation around this is, is not to police anybody's language. And it's not to go through and say, Oh, you're saying it wrong. Or that wasn't good. Yeah. or that. It's just to bring awareness to how your words are influencing your day-to-day reality, how your words are influencing your identity, how your words are influencing your breath and how your breath is influencing all of that too. And again, it's like that cyclical chicken or the egg, which comes first. And, and the thing is, is it doesn't really matter which comes first. Cause if you push one button, the other button's going to push, like it's going to happen after. Like, so if you work at one direction or the other, you're going to get the result. And so much of what we do and how we teach is that lighter, more playful, more fun style of like, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to get something wrong. It's okay. It's actually, I would rather you use the soft talk and take it out than, than try to like not say it at all yeah, <laughs> and step yeah. on eggshells and not speak authentically, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's, this is all game guys. This is a right. game. <laughs> It's like everything is real, but nothing is true. And believe everything, but take nothing seriously. Best way to learn. Fuck it up. Yeah. 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 So good. I last question for me. This is kind of a just rapid fire, quick question. Um, This has been great. But 
when was the last time you changed your mind in a significant way? Oh, oh man. Um, part of me wants to say like every day, but that's like, but, but significant to me, like I change my mind often. I change my perspectives often. I kind of am like very, um, curious and, and interested in things. And as soon as I think I know something, I'm like, huh, maybe it's not the whole truth, but I would say like the, the most significant change that I've made where I've really changed my mind, um, on, on life and how things work would be, uh, would be the language component. Like it, it just really shift. I mean, it's, it's the, it's like the crack in the code is how I would put it. And the reason I pick, I pick that is not because that's what we've been talking about this whole time, but it's, it's truly that that skill set has allowed me to do the everyday changes, like the small ones or the big ones. It's, it's, it has created such a radical shift in how I perceive the world, how I perceive myself and how I've, how I've been able to like move from there that I would point back to that as being the most significant and then before that, it would be psychedelics, right? Because that's just like blast things open. But it's the 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 skill set that's like that it, that just it, it's new math in your head. You know, yeah. it's like it's a new way to calculate and compute what's going on in the environment around you and the world around you. And then you realize, oh, okay, like well, this equation equals this, and this equation equals that. And so much more. Um, it's made me so mentally resilient and much more. Um, yeah. It's just, it's like, yeah, new software. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, I feel the everyday changes as well. Totally. Yeah. What, what a inspiring conversation. This has been super fun. Kimberly, where can people find you, um, learn more about, you know, you, your podcast, uh, you know, Mark's been on, but a refresher on the lifted program. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me personally on Instagram, Kimberly.Kesting. And I share a lot of my, um, just like an honest representation of my life and what I do and people I interact with and what I'm eating and what coffee I'm drinking and yada, yada. And, um, then you can find us on in lifted coaches on Instagram as well. And we've, uh, the best way to find out more about what we teach and do within lifted, definitely do that soft talk challenge. That's in lifted.me backslash soft talk. It's seven days. It's, it's easy. It's smooth. It will change your perspective on language and words in a way that, um, it will just open up your eyes and easy. It's easy. It's like, you know, it's like something that is, is definitely worth doing especially if you're resonating with like the deeper parts of this conversation, that's like I said, it's the gateway drug. That's where you start. And the uh, podcast is called get and lifted. And what we do on that show, it's very, it's very fun, very playful and very applicable. So we have a few different types of episodes and where I recommend everyone start is all the way back at the beginning episode. Number one, it's called learn the magic words. And there's a series of 10 to 15 minute episodes with Mark and myself breaking down different components of language. So learn the magic words is, is the reason why you want to learn these words. And then there's like 11 or 12 mini episodes after that, that will teach you the foundations of our system. And that is really just is the most practical approach that you could take. And then there's the other episodes that we do. I do long form interviews and conversations. And then we have an, uh, a series called the coaches round table, which is myself, um, and two guys that are in lifted certified coaches that have been doing this for like at a high level. And we talk about what, what the things are that we're working on and what's going yeah. on. It's like you know, water cooler talk, um, but really applicable and relatable for our students. So we have a lot of fun, um, with a variety of, of types of shows on there. And there's, there's definitely something for everybody and definitely, a um, 
some rabbit holes to go down. Love it. <laughs> Love, Love that. it. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing your wisdom with us. I can just tell you're just like a bright human. I'm sure you light up every room you walk into. And uh, yeah, I can just feel that even through Zoom. And so I just wanted to reflect that back to you. It's, uh, it seems like you're a really fun and easy person to be around, yeah. which yeah. I feel like the world could use more of. So yeah, you know, <laughs> deep bow to you. Yes. I'm excited to meet you guys in person in a couple of weeks when Mark and I are out in California. And yeah, we, um, it's, it's like I mentioned before we started recording, we're about to go into this big event this weekend. And we've got a lot of people that, um, you know, that, that energy of like being fun and light and playful and still being able to go into the depths of the shit. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, it's like there, there is the duality definitely exists in the land of personal development and you got to work to find it. And, um, it's it, it yeah it makes it like being able to be bright and light and fun is because again that freedom in the head right yeah right we're gonna no. circle back to yeah it's exactly exactly yes. we could all use some more levity in our life all right mm -hmm. well we will close it out here thank you so much again and thank you to all of our listeners for hanging out with us today check the show notes for all the applicable links and we will talk to you next time go spread some light okay bye Okay, bye. <laughs> hey friend, thanks for listening. Did you hear anything today that expanded your mind, made you laugh, touched your soul, or caused you to think differently about this topic? I hope so. I invite you to share this episode with someone you love. It takes 30 seconds and has the potential for a great ripple effect. Our world needs more people having real, honest, and open-minded dialogue on big topics. And you never know, you may just change their entire day. We love you and appreciate you being here with us. Cheers.